0: Its name means father of waters in the language of the indigenous Algonquin people who lived along its banks. And true to that name, the Mississippi River is a behemoth. Stretching 2340 miles from Lake Itasca in Minnesota, gathering smaller streams and tributaries along its southerly route until finally dumping into the Gulf of Mexico south of New Orleans. The river The largest in North America, has come to represent a major division of the United States, the de facto line that separates east from west. Mark Twain wrote, now and then we had a hope that if we lived and were good, God would permit us to be pirates. He wanted to be on that ocean, that river, pirates, floating towards positive fortune in any way they could grab it. That's that river. That's that ocean. Just like all huge bodies of water, stories fly around and out of its existence. Its influence is impossible to grasp into specific words. Its age makes it impossible to really know. Yet, as static as your old AM radio, it's always there. The Mississippi River's most significant contribution was transportation. It made a new world and fast. For decades, Goods and people have traveled up and down its muddy waters, spreading commerce all along the way. Before the rise of the railroad, waterways were the most efficient method of large-scale inland shipping. The old big river was king. Nothing was like it before when it came to the commerce game. The amount of success port towns like St. Louis, Memphis, Vicksburg, Natchez and even New Orleans saw and experienced at various times throughout their timelines wouldn't have been possible without the mighty Mississippi and or something connected to its commerce chain. For all its size and aquatic grandeur, the Mississippi River is essentially a very large roadway. So if we're talking about transportation now, and the mediums upon which we can do this, you've got to define this. In the simplest construct, roads are merely a connection between points. A road can link sides of your neighborhood or stretch across thousands of miles from one ocean to another. Roads aren't the same as they used to be, to say the least from rough paths smoothed out from years of repetitive foot traffic even as far back as our hunter-gatherer ancestors, to mega-construction projects financed by taxpaying citizens. Our definition is broad, but singular in its understanding. Just like a human voice, from its vocal execution and coming out of my mouth into a microphone, traveling to a finite source, which then captures this sound, and keeps it there for us to review whenever we want. Point A to point B, voice to memory source, we can see and hear and more importantly feel its linear existence. This is a road. It goes from point A to point B. And that's that, right? I guess where I'm going here is that where there's a passage that human beings move through at a large rate for a long time, either in commerce, migration, leisure travel, or or whatever. Legends and stories, tales, huge timeline events become household names. They fly out into the zeitgeist and exist whether you know it or not. My job here is maybe to make you hip to the lore for better or worse. I'm Cole Furlow. Welcome to this episode Of strange wonders. One of, if not the most well known, tales of roads involves the meaning of two of them. Two very old passageways that existed long before the written word. And of course, it's not one road. It's got to be two of them. It had to be two. Double the fun. Two inevitable trails making what we now know as. The Crossroads. In the old world, crossroads were viewed as a kind of in-between place, a patch of ground that was neither in the corporal world nor the spiritual realm. There was a tradition of burying criminals and ne'er-do-wells at crossroads in the hopes that it would confuse their spirits and they wouldn't be able to find their way back to the village to haunt the living. Directionally challenged phantoms, damned on fire and eternity spirits aside, rural or non-rural crossroads are also said to be portals for contacting all sorts of supernatural beings more times than not to the detriment of the very people seeking them out in western folk mythology a crossroads can be used to summon a demon or devil in order to make a deal this legend can be seen in many stories for example the 1587 Historia story of Von D. Johann Fausten describes the character Faust, inscribing magic circles at a crossroads in order to summon the devil. Possibly the most famous of the devil at the crossroads legends belongs to the land that derives its name from that river mentioned earlier. Mississippi begins in a lobby of a Memphis, Tennessee hotel and extends south to the Gulf of Mexico. William Faulkner said that, I think it's an appropriate quote for you to understand where we are talking here, Mississippi, which isn't actually or anywhere near the correct state line legalities of what our dear Mr. Faulkner stated here. This place is without a doubt the true home of the crossroads. The western portion of the state of Mississippi is flat, hot, and extremely fertile. Once was one of the wealthiest regions of the country, the area was plunged into poverty following the Civil War. And rightfully so. Reconstruction created a future that broke the past's foundations. The timeline was about to be sailing into uncharted territory, so to speak. And this era moved slow and rarely in positive directions. After the end of Reconstruction, reactionary governments across the South legislated institutional racism and then what came to be called Jim Crow laws. These laws were highly oppressive to the black population. Irish poet W.B. Yeats said, Do not wait to strike till the iron is hot, but make it hot by striking. I read this quote a good bit, make it happen, kind of like Nike's Just Do It slogan but more on the the lines of a fierce energy, an inertia that's undeniably snowballing into a moment in time when we can never go back and expect the same vantage viewpoint we had. That's a good way for me to help you understand exactly the tenacity and potency of this generation's art. This was an environment harboring a movement that would revolutionize entertainment and performance art across the world for decades to come. Blues, a mashup of jazz, traditional African song, black church hymns, and various other strands of music, was born. The blues of the Mississippi Delta would give the world its first true American artistic archetype. Or you could say a a clear-cut blueprint for much of the timeline's music to come. Okay, I get it. Some of you blues doctors out there screaming Scott Joplin and the ragtime music of the Midwest. Yeah, okay, I hear you. We are not here to gatekeep, merely setting up the telescope lens upon which our dear listeners' attention peers. Blues music's influence has been confirmed a thousand times over. Y'all don't need me to tell you that. And although the blues gave inspiration for such mega acts like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, whose name is after actually a a song by one McKinley Morganfield of Issaquina County, Mississippi. Y'all might know him as Muddy Waters. Dolly Parton, Elvis Presley, Jay-Z, the great Nina Simone, Buddy Holly, and so, so many others. The blues of the early 20th century was an equal sign or mirror, rather, to the the harshness and woeful terrorism of the unending chains of slavery. This art was the domain of the impoverished. This art was the domain of the heroic. This art had no chance of staying anonymous. This art was divinely given. I'd go so far to say in almost every definition of the word, take that how you will. This was the art of the oppressed Southern black community the pain, and even, we could say, the the sting of slavery's legacy went into the victim's music, body and soul. These people gave the world a, a cradle for influence and inspirational change. Mississippi is ground zero for that blues. It's so true that a nightclub by the same name exists. It's it's called Ground Zero Blues Club. It operates in the Mississippi town of Clarksdale. The voice of God himself and Charleston, Mississippi's favorite son, Morgan Freeman owns the joint. All this background about blues music to give some context to the famous story of musician Robert Johnson and the Crossroads. You've probably heard some version of the tale, Robert Johnson, a struggling blues musician in the early 20th century journeyed to the crossroads at midnight and met the devil to whom he summarily sold his soul and in exchange for agreeing to eternal damnation old bob johnson was gifted the ability to produce blues music the likes of which had never really been heard before i mean like literally this man's music was from another planet go listen to it and tell me i'm wrong Now this deal hardly seemed like a fair trade. An eternity of suffering in the depths of hell for a few years of notoriety, strumming, and singing. Didn't y'all know this, though? People always look for fame or always look for the fountain of youth and they always make the same grave mistakes or always make the same dumb calls, And it's always dealing with the Prince of Darkness. It would seem the old adage is true the devil really is in the details, but no one reads them. The real story of Robert Johnson is not entirely clear. He was born in 1911 in Hazlehurst, Mississippi. And as far as musical talents are concerned, he was somewhat of a prodigy. As a teenager, Johnson began performing with other blues musicians in the area, typically providing accompaniment on a harmonica. But Johnson's real passion laid in playing guitar There was just one problem, he wasn't very good at it. In fact, his guitar skills, or lack thereof, often drew laughter and ridicule from some of the musicians with whom he performed. It was said that if Johnson was playing a gig with the guitar, other bluesmen would refuse to perform with him. Frustrated, Johnson dropped out of the blues circuit and disappeared for a few months. When he reemerged, it was almost as if a, a miracle had happened. Johnson could not only play the guitar proficiently, he could play circles around practically any other musician. He was completely virtuosic, a fully baked product delivering the freshness, most undeniable aural sensations. The development was so abrupt and complete, the suspicion started to circulate that Johnson's newfound talent wasn't the result of dedication and practice. No, there had to be something supernatural at work. You know, a deal with the devil. Johnson himself seemed to lean into his own tale. His original songs lamented the hellhounds that pursued him. Crossroads Blues, the most famous of his original recordings, straight up told the story of his meeting Satan at the crossroads at midnight. I like to think he made people believe in hope somehow, even if Beelzebub wasn't shotgun. Whether Johnson actually believed he had made a pact with the devil or was just having too much fun propagating it, the myth continued to grow after his death in 1938. His albums have sold millions of copies across the world, and his music gave generations of artists a license that didn't exist before. He truly changed the game. If you really want to see the alleged real crossroads look no further than your local american rand mcnally it's in clarksdale mississippi at the intersection of highway 61 and highway 49. same place you can find ground zero blues club as well as red's famous juke joint truly one of the last of its kind if you do find yourself wanting a big blues adventure down in the delta don't miss on abe's barbecue and of course if Someone comes around with some beef tips piping hot from a grill nearby, take a bite. You won't be sad. At Mississippi's legendary restaurants, every bite tells a story. A story with unforgettable characters whose restaurants have become institutions that have built a community around food, relationships, and hospitality. A medley of influences and traditions that spans generations and crosses continents. Experience dining that appeals to all your senses, including your sense of adventure. Get started at visitmississippi.org flavors. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Today, Highway 61 and the surrounding region attract visitors from across the world. In addition to Ground Zero Blues Club, visitors can tour the only Grammy Museum outside of Los Angeles, in Cleveland, Mississippi. Sample some of the most lauded steaks in the country at dozy place in Greenville, Mississippi, and drive, cycle, or hike through the hilly National Military Park in Vicksburg, Mississippi. If you're rolling through the Vicksburg Military Park, you might want to keep one eye looking over your shoulder. The expansive stretch of hills and bluffs is the site of the siege of Vicksburg, one of the deadliest and most pivotal battles of the Civil War. The eventual victory by the Union forces there gave the North effective control of Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah, you guessed it. The father of waters, the old big king, cutting New Orleans and Texas off from the rest of the Confederacy. The old big river always has a say. The battle for Vicksburg was long, super long by Civil War standards. In fact, at 47 days, it was the longest of the war, and it was bloody. The Union army lost nearly 4,000 men. For the Confederates, the toll was eight times that. Among the casualties, oddly enough, was also one camel. As you might expect, the scene of so much death and suffering has left plenty of stories of spectral activity in its wake. The park is home to thousand days of graves of fallen soldiers, many of whom it would seem aren't ready to surrender quite yet. Weirdly enough, About two months ago, I discovered my family tree, and it led me to my fifth great-grandfather, who died in that same bloody siege in Vicksburg. Under the command of Colonel William T. Withers, James Madison Furlow, born in Louisiana by parents born in North Carolina, by parents born in England, His voice is probably in that crowd of ever-present souls, desperately wanting to still be heard. A monument sporting the faces of five Union commanders from Pennsylvania has been said to cry tears of blood. A monument (laughs) constructed in honor of Texas troops contains a statue of, of a cannon that some claim to have witnessed smoking, as if it had just been fired. And of course, the the old battlefield is said from time to time to come to life with sounds of shouting soldiers, booming cannons, and the distinct and inexplicable smell of gunpowder. All the way across the state, close to the eastern border sits the city of Meridian Mississippi. Like Vicksburg and many Delta towns, Meridian owes much of its development to being along a transportation route, although in this instance, it not some epic river, ocean that Mark Twain would wax poetic about, nor an ancient trail chiseled by the feet of past Mississippians that then evolved with diligence and fortitude on the American timeline into a highway that then produced cultural drive and economic commercial expansion in its growth across its own area. No, Meridian was a railroad town, and at the turn of the 20th century in Mississippi, Meridian was the railroad town. In 1900, five major rail lines powered a daily volume of 44 trains passing through the town. And as is often the case, transportation begets commerce, helping Meridian grow to become the largest city in Mississippi for a time. As railroads expanded and connected previously island-like areas of the country, a strong tradition of folklore grew around the locomotive. From the legends of Casey Jones and John Henry to the romanticized train robbers often characterized as contemporary Robin Hoods or just simply free. Railroads developed a rich culture all of their own. The very sound of a train in motion evoked a future, which then evoked for many a, a hope of better days. And as a town characterized as a child of the railroad, Meridian, Mississippi, certainly sports its share of rail folklore. We mentioned the romantic trope that grew around some train robbers of the day, polite to passengers while lightening their pockets. But that wasn't true in all instances. One of the most notorious train robbing, bank robbing gangs of the Wild West era was the Dalton Gang. And while most of the crime activity the Dalton boys and their followers dabbled in west of the Mississippi River, their notoriety on the timeline has an interesting, elusive connection to Meridian, or so the tales will have us believe. Those 44 trains that ran daily through Meridian carried a lot of human cargo. And inevitably, many of these travelers would disembark into Meridian and find need for food or lodging or anything really Legend has it a a former member of the Doughton gang who had escaped a death wish that the other gang members weren't offered in 1892. They all died. Had settled down in Meridian, where he opened an inn to accommodate weary railway travelers. This man, reputedly known as Stucky, the legend doesn't really record his last name, wasn't, however, a reformed criminal turned entrepreneur, at least not in a traditional sense. It was that Stucky would rob and murder his guests and then covertly bury their bodies on the banks of the nearby Chunky River. And he got away with it, at least for a while. But after murdering an alleged 20 victims, Justice finally caught up with Stucky in the form of a noose around his neck. It was purported that Stucky was hung on the very bridge that spanned the Chunky River, the exact site he had used to dispose all of those bodies. It didn't take long before passerbys of the bridge started to occasionally notice the figure of an older man carrying a lantern patrolling the banks of the river. Only to disappear if he was uh, somehow approached. We can't say if the apparition is that of Stucky, sentenced to an eternity wandering the very shores whose soil held the remains of the atrocities he committed. Or if he is one of the victims of these atrocities. What is more certain is that the shadowy figure some have seen dangling from a rope tied to the bridge, often accompanied shortly thereafter by a phantom splash, is something like a body, broke the surface of the water, is without a doubt the residual image of the Wild West outlaw turned homicidal hotelier. Today, the bridge spanning the Chunky River just to the east of Meridian is known as Stuckey's Bridge. Coincidence or not, a chain of gas stations is still in operation. And you guessed it, its name is Stuckey's. And yes, they still accommodate weary roadway travelers. Like so many other places, our Magnolia state has a rich and complicated history. The original American Renaissance man Ben Franklin famously wrote, Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. I try to use this idea as a, as a North Star for all perspective perspective. When knowing our part, we are given the responsibility of choice, which ultimately was the first goal of our founding fathers, freedom. The sin of slavery and segregation can never be excused, but it is also to remember Mississippi is a launching point, a ground zero of a freedom movement that has benefited people from all across America. Where there's oppression, there's a force just as strong pushing the other way. Mississippi moving forward is that lighthouse on the shore Sail to us, we'll guide you in. We'll show you what we've learned. Mississippi's cultural portfolio from music to food, to literature, philanthropy, education, and even sports, our small home till the end of the world nestled up closely to an ocean flowing one way, has had an outsized impact on pop culture worldwide. Mississippi's landscape is varied and beautiful. Her pastoral winds, breathing through the pines all the way down to the real ocean, sends an honest feeling of wonder wherever you are. Her people are warm and charitable, just like the river bending through the Delta, giving sustenance and fertility. The people give you happiness and accommodation. If you ever find yourself with the opportunity, take some time and traverse our state. Stopping to explore and enjoy everything the namesake of the Father of Waters has to offer. The old, big river that flows one really epic way. The only caveat, don't linger too long at any crossroads. We want you coming back for seconds. This episode of Strange Wanders was written and researched by Tim Mask and Cole Furlow. Sound design, editing, and narration by Cole Furlow. Strange Wanders is a production of MWP Studios and is sponsored by Visit Mississippi. Please follow, rate, and review Strange Wanders on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Please follow the show at Strange Wanders on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at mwbstudios at mwb.com. And please visit our sponsor at visitmississippi.org. This wouldn't be possible without them. As always, thanks for listening. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.